so we are in uh, February, and it's like a love month, and uh, those of you who were well and not ill, maybe you got to celebrate Valentine's Day huh? this, uh, this week. We were kind of uh, hovering down low. I think Joy was ill, Christy was struggling. I was not well, I'm, you know, not well uh, with the flu. But uh, just want to, what we've done is we've continued this focus on relationship into our preaching series, and we're, we're bringing you something called Love Story, a few messages in the month of February. Now, as we mentioned last week, a few kind of ground rules, if you will, and really take these seriously, especially in this message, uh, at least part of what I'm going to tell you, and that is, if you're hearing something, resist thinking, oh, this is very good for my husband or my wife, or this is good for that one and this one. You really want to say, you know, truly God is wanting me to hear this for myself. huh? And, and also, I don't want this message or any of the messages in this series to be one that brings you to a place of regret. And this also could be one of those messages where you're thinking about, oh, that's how I should handle that, or that's what I should have done. Don't do that. Instead, think, okay, God and his mercy and his love has brought me here now to dwell in hope, to dwell in possibilities and potential, right? Not regrets. The enemy wants you to go to regrets, huh? which is going to happen when you go there. It's just too painful and hard. You're going to then double back down and go to your safe place and go back to controlling and doing how you know. And, and that's just, and you're in that vicious cycle. God's brought you here for a breakthrough, Right? You know, to break those train, chains, right? You, you're going to learn to battle in a different way, yes? It's a good song. It really was. It's a good song. Thank you, team. So if you uh, take a look around you, I mean, you could don't look around. <laughs> but if you think for a second of those you know, it's not going to take long for you to realize that amongst those people you know, there are a good amount of relationships that are struggling. You know, any of these marital relationships, you know, uh, they're struggling. Meaning, what does that mean? It means pain. There's pain. There's discord. There's division. There's difficulty. Uh, and, 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 that, and, man, that's a contagious pain too, huh? Like no other, like nothing else. And I just want to let you know that God really speaks into this and, and directly. And he has healing and he has help for us. And today, I want to talk to you about conflict, because that's part of relationships. I, I tell Christy, I might have said it up here before, I, I said, I, really, I, I really seriously think they should just put it on the marriage license. They should just put it in big words. Sometimes I'm like, I want to write it. I'm like, just, you, you are entering into conflict. The only thing more, the only time you're in more conflict is if you're in a relationship, is if you're a pastor. Because <coughs> then you have to deal with those people in relationships and everything else. But really, it, it is, you know, and, you know, remember this underlying message uh, or theme of, the, of this sermon series, and it's this, that God, when it comes to relationships and all aspects of relationships, God's way works. Because God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, the, who created us, he, he created the institution of marriage. He created us to be in relationships. He did. So then he has the antidote on how to work through a conflict. He, he has the methods and a way of, of working through conflict, not to, for our, um, to lessen us, but for our betterment. So... The first verse we read in this series was Song of Songs. Your Bible might say Song of Solomon. And, and, we're, and what is this, this book, Song of Solomon or Song of Songs, what is this? Solomon, uh, king of Israel, son of King David, writes over a thousand songs in his lifetime, and this is like his greatest song of all. So Song of Songs, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, says Solomon's Song of Songs, and now the, it, it's, it's the... Woman is talking, you know, you have Solomon and then his beloved, a Shulamite woman, and then at times you have her friends, you know, talking in. 
Today we're going to stick with, you know, Solomon and his beloved, his Shulamite woman, who during the book goes from being someone he's attracted to, to kind of like his fiance, to then his wife. So she speaks in verse 2 and says, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. For your love is more delightful than wine. Pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes. Your name is like perfume poured out. No wonder the young woman love you. Now, you see, when we do it God's way, there is delight in relationships. God intended relationships to be delightful. So to, for us to find things in, in these relationships that we could find in no other place in this world. And when you see the word perfume repeated a lot throughout this, this book, the Song of Songs, what, it, what it's saying is that word perfume, it meant value. In the Old Testament times, even well into the New Testament days, to, to have perfume was to have something valuable, was, was talking about something that is cherished, right? Versus something that is disposable, Relationships are to be valued. They are to be cherished. They are to be protected. They are to be nurtured. I want you to pause right now and think, I'm in relationship. Do I value that relationship? Do I cherish that relationship? Do I protect that relationship? Do I nurture that relationship? What's the other side of that? Well, I take for granted that relationship. Therefore, I neglect that relationship. Therefore, over time, it becomes disposable. You see, there are things that we, that we value. There's such a high price that they have for us. Something of a material possession, an occupation. And we, we cherish that, and we protect that. We're not going to miss those days at work. Going to make sure this is repaired. Going to make sure that's maintained. And I'm going to nurture it. A time, attention. I'm gonna... Do we do that with our relationships, or do we think, you know what, well, well, they'll take care of themselves, or, well, you know, I've got a decision to make. I've got time to do it. Well, you know what, that, that'll understand, but I've got to take care of this. And, and, and so what's happened now is, are we valuing it or are we neglecting it? And then over time, it simply seems like, you know what, we could just dispose of that, huh? We read in Song of Songs about a blossoming, ongoing relationship between a man and a woman. It's, just a, it's, a, it's one of the beautiful parts of, of, of all of literature, I think. Now, I don't know where you are today in relationships. You're single, you're dating, you're married. I just want to let you know that God has brought you in here today to impart his truth. We're reading scripture, God's word, to impart his truth into your heart. I want to let you know that the center of our faith as Christians is redemption. And so all things are redeemable. No matter what's going on, no matter what's happened in your life, no matter what's happened in relationships, it's re- God is working through all things. To re- he'll redeem all of that. For his glory in your life, yes? You've got to focus on that. That you hearing this message today is part of God's plan of redemption for all that's taking place in your life for him to to be glorified. Now, I want you to open your heart today. I want you to let God guide you. I want you to be encouraged today. Now, so I'm not going to talk to you today about how not to have conflict, because I don't think that's possible. I'm not going to talk with you today about how not to fight, because I don't, I don't really think that's possible either. Not if you're married to a Sicilian from Brooklyn. My God, it's just impossible. It's like we were bred and born to fight. It's like <coughs> Christy was convinced of that. Some push because I, I think you just want to fight. I was like, of course I just want to fight. But also, I, I do, I, you know, we, we have expectations. And that's kind of what I was talking about, valuing and protecting and nurturing relationships. You, you come into 
a marriage or any relationship with expectations. That's another thing. I, I, I would like to turn around and under conflict, I'd like to give a man and a wife, say, okay, here, you take a black pen, you take a blue pen, and I want you to write down your expectations on the back of this marriage. You on the left side of the certificate, you on the right side. Because each one has expectations. They don't, and I say, they don't articulate it to each other. They might not even like actually stop and pause themselves, but they have an expectation. You know, I love you. I love you. I love you. You love me. You know, I love you because you're going to be this for me. You're going to be that for me. You're going to do this for me. You're going to do that. I love you. And she's like, and I love you. You know why? Because you're going to do this for me. You're going to do that for me. You're going to be this for me. You're going to be that for me. You're going to make me whole. You're going to, I love you. And the two have nothing to do with each other. Nothing. What? Are they expecting, hey, we're going to go into a relationship that's going to be valued, protected, nurtured, huh? So what's happening is because the expectations are, one, unrealized, and two, very often disconnected from one another, in itself, that's more conflict, isn't it? Now, what we want to show is that with we can deal with this conflict in a God-honoring way. And, and we can deal with conflict in a way where conflict is not destructive, which it is, but it can be productive. And, and it can actually bring you to a place where, by God's mercy, you would have arrived that could never have been. Meaning, apart from your expectation, the problem of his expectations, but probably both of them fairly off-center and maybe not God-glorifying, God mercifully and wonderfully and miraculously can bring you to a place you never imagined, huh? With greater expectations, huh? Listen, there are different seasons in a marriage, and uh, so many different ways to talk about this one, but, you know, obviously you, you get married and, and you have that, what they call the honeymoon stage. Honeymoon means sweet month. Not a long time, right? 30 days, wow. Wow. Uh, <laughs> for some, it's thirty. For some, it's for some, it's right. It's uh, it's thirty hours. <laughs> some go a little bit longer. Chris and I got off, you know, good off to a good start in many ways. But really, I mean, life is especially in our culture because you know you got all the hoopla building up to it, the planning for the weddings and and uh, and then you know the celebrations. And then if you are able to get away and spend some time, Chris and I did. We went on a cruise. I was going to show the pictures. I left them back at home. But uh, it, was, it was great. Life is easy. It was great. I mean, how bad could it be, right? You know? I mean, sitting there, eating a ton of food, having sex at night. This is just called God. I mean, this is awesome. <laughs> <coughs> and then, you know, you know, you kick in and life starts going, and then you go into that next season, which is like disillusionment. And, and you wake up and you're like, who is this person that I married? <laughs> What's, like, who are they? Right? And, and then, you know, and in that season of disillusionment is where the tension builds and the fighting starts. And I'm going to say that's also where those expectations, you know, start to clash. Because I married... Not only, I, I married who I think, who I want you to be and who I need you to be, right? Not who you are and what you need. I, I married what I needed sometimes. And so, wait a minute. This isn't, what I, this isn't what I bought into for, right? This is what I got into. So now the fighting gets going, and uh, then you have different personalities, different temperaments. You know, for Christy and I, I'm animated, right? Shocked. Uh, I'm dramatic, you know. I'm, uh, I'm like, you know, I'm like the lawyer in the courtroom and, and uh, like Elsa from Frozen combined, you know, on steroids, man. It's like, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, and then Christy's just the opposite, man. Christy's low-key. And uh, the more animated I get, the more she, she gets, she likes to say, you know, reserved. I, I say she's stubborn, man. She just, just oh, and she taunts me because she just, she just locks down and doesn't say anything and just looks at me. <laughs> you know, so, you know, what happens is in this time, and I tell her, you know, I, I know, I know what you're saying right now. I know you're cursing me out in your head, and I know, <laughs> I know you're thinking all these terrible things about me. And, uh, and of course, nothing, nothing would get accomplished at all, right? Uh, 
So and it's in these times where small things become big things. It's very uncommon that that which is being, uh, that we're in conflict over for the most part is like some like phenomenal thing like death or life. Uh, you know, and, and, and you might not believe that when you're in it. It's only when you, when you get on later in life uh, and, and you really are in the midst of some like life or death situations. It's only when you come to the end of life. As I always say, when, as I was yesterday in the morning for several hours with someone as they, you know, saw their transition from this world into the next, uh, you really, <laughs> you, you get it. It's, it's one of the privileges I have of being there that I'm sitting there and all of a sudden you just really get to see what's most important right before you is people are calling in, people are crying, people are shaking, people are saying these things, people are writing things on board to your last word, and you're like, you, you really grasp what's most important in life, and you really grasp that the scripture and God has got it so right, and that we... You know, we're broken people. We allow ourselves to become distracted and consumed by these smaller things that are so meaningless compared to the greater things that God has for us in our relationships. Now, so this fighting part, you know, stat, statistics say that, and this, you know, this, I think it's legitimate. If I tell something out to you, I don't, I don't just like, yeah, there's a stat, it's good to be repeated. I give it some thought, like, is this legitimate? You know, because there's a lot of different ways of, you know, doing statistics and they could skew them. But this one I think is legit because I've said it before up here in different ways, if not directly. That this disillusionment, disillusionment, <laughs> come on, just say it for me, help me out here. Thank you, okay. This season of, of increased conflict that 70% of marriages get stuck in this season. It doesn't mean get stuck, like they had a bad day, you know, like, no, no, like, like get stuck, meaning they never leave this season. And I, I do, I think this is true. Now, depending on their resources, depending on their upbringing, depending on a lot of different, um, you know, contributors, they might deal with it to different extent. But, you know, depending on their cultures, their religions, but in the end, they are stuck here. They are stuck in a place of you're not who I wanted you to be, you're not who I thought I would be, or we're fighting, we're having these difficulties over all these small things, and you know what? And they're just stuck right there. That means that two-thirds or three-quarters of the, that even in here, that maybe half to three-quarters of marriages are stuck in this place. But that can end today. It really can. That would be in, in God's great economy in such a difficult week that God would bring you in here and that you would courageously and meaningfully get on on a Sunday and hear something that would say, you know what? I'm stuck. And today's the day where I become unstuck, yeah? Today's the day where I see God's redemption in my life and in my marriage, yes? And today's the day where I move into that third season, which is like a thriving commitment, where I am willingly, gladly, and enthusiastically committed to this relationship, and, I'm, and I, I know that things go wrong, but through it all, I'm experiencing the best of God for my life, meaning I am so much better in all areas of my life because of this relationship, which is what God intended. God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, right? One God, one God three persons, distinction without separation, but relationship. Isn't that phenomenal that our God in, in, in its core, in his core is relationship, three in one. The very beginning of Genesis says, let us speak in the creation, meaning us, we're in relationship, it's, it really is, <clears throat> whether you say philosophically, it's, it's mind-boggling. And then right out of the gate in creation, man, then man cannot be alone, relationship, women. God made us to crave relationship. God made us to thrive in relationship. And, and there are multiple types of relationships, but certainly, um, you know, one of a husband and wife is, is a precious one. And one where you could see particular and 
depths of, uh, of intimacy and relationship. So healthy conflict leads to healthy relationships. I do. I, I believe that. I remember, was it James Dobson or Dr. James Dobson? Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he was a Christian, and still is a Christian psychologist, man who is really uh, accredited with a lot of teachings, uh, had an organization focused on the family. I think it was him and his wife that said, in all our marriage, the only time we've grown truly is through pain and difficulty. And it wasn't just like pain and difficulty, like someone we knew loved and died, like in us. Like it was only when we went into really into conflict and, and difficulty in our marriage that working through that in a way that glorified and honored God did we see great growth. And, and I, Christian, I, would you say the same? Yeah, yeah. It's the truth. Huh? And that's all right. Because healthy conflicts leads to healthy relationships. There are eight chapters <coughs> in the Song of Songs. Two of these eight chapters are on the, are on the couple having, you know, conflict. Yeah. So we see in this book that, you know, this couple, they meet. And in and, and really graphic detail, we, see, we hear about them meeting. We hear about them kind of courting, dating. We see uh, their, you know, they're a little bit of an engagement. And then we see their honeymoon, two chapters of the honeymoon, really detailed. And, and now after the honeymoon, what do we get into? Two chapters of what? Conflict. They go right into conflict. And in chapter five of the Song of Solomon or Song of Songs, we read about the fight. See, conflict begins with disagreement. Two different views coming from different expectations. Song of Songs, chapter 5, verses 2 through 6. She speaking, the woman, she said, I slept, but my heart was awake. Listen, my beloved is knocking. Right? So she's saying, I, 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 I went to lay down, but my heart was beating, beating. And what she's saying is, you know, she's in bed alone. Her beloved, her, her, her husband's not with her, right? He's somewhere, and now here he is knocking on a door. So what's happening here is that she possibly likely had an expectation something would go a certain way, it hadn't come to pass, and now she's in bed, she's alone, and she's anxious. Huh? Maybe she's angry. And he's on the other side of the door. Not in bed, next to her, at night. So we know, there's conflict, right? And then he says, open to me, my sister, my darling, my dove, my flawless one. You know he did something wrong, right? <laughs> he had to. Man, <laughs> 3,500 years ago, <coughs> same stuff. My head is drenched with dew. My hair with the dampness of the night. He is pouring it on. And so, so, again, it's late at night. She's, you know, had an expectation or legit or illegit, we don't know, but, but there was conflict and, you know, she's upset with him and she's decided to lock him out of the bedroom. Does this sound familiar to you? Right? <laughs> and now he comes back in, you know, and uh, now he could do, he could go one way. He could just be humble and say, hey, you know, honey, I, I, I made a mistake or I think I misunderstood you and I might have hurt you. But no, 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 he doesn't go that legit way, right, you know. He's going to just turn around and just pour it on like, hey, you're so wonderful. Hey, you're so beautiful. You know, anything but just, you know, deal with what's going on in him, right? Just trying to get around it like, like most of us guys, huh? So, <clears throat> well, she comes back with his, you're the most beautiful woman in the world stuff, right? And she says, you know what? And he's on the other end thinking, man, you know, because all he's thinking about, man, I just want to get on the other side of his door, get in bed and, you know, get mine, right? And she's like, yeah, okay, you know what? Verse three, I've taken off my robe. Must I put it on again? Meaning I got to get out of bed and open up the door? <laughs> so he's like, honey, you're wonderful. You're flawless. You know, come open up the door. Took my robe off already. I'm in bed. I ain't getting out of bed to come and walk across the floor and open up this door. I've taken off my robe. Must I put it on again? I've washed my feet. Must I soil them again? But then she's like, my beloved thrust his hand through the latch opening 
My heart began to pound for him. What does that mean, verse 4? My beloved, she's speaking. My beloved thrust his hand through the latch opening. It means he punched a hole in the door. <laughs> he's mad. We're fighting, man, you know? First, he's like, yeah, you're wonderful. You're flawless. I love you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm not getting out of bed. Yeah, that didn't work. We're just, again, we're, they're in conflict and they're handling it their way and they're finding different ways to get what they want. And one is holding on to a little bit of anger and anxiety, you know, and where her mind is going. And the other guy, he's just, he, you know, and the, that's the woman. The man is being like kind of just selfish and indignant. <coughs> so now we are full fight. Verse 5, though, her heart, at the end of 4, her heart's pounding for him. Verse 5, she says, I arose to open for my beloved, and my hands dripped with myrrh, my fingers with flowing myrrh on the hand of the boat, meaning, you know what, I, I, my heart's softening. I opened for my beloved the door, but my beloved had left. He was gone. My heart sank at his departure. I looked for him, but did not find him. I called, but he did not answer. All right, so... And here they are now distant. And this is, her, and really, and this I think is what happens a lot early on in relationships, you know. There's love, but there's hurt. How do we handle this? Not handling it well. He's out there. I'm rejected. She's, oh, wow. But I, I, wow, I, I'm longing for him now, even though I did that, maybe I shouldn't. And he makes a decision, and she reacts, not responds to that decision, and it's just a bunch of reaction, very little responding from godliness, and it just gets ugly, huh? And scars and distance. Fights are going to happen. And they can and will be destructive, but they can be productive. And it comes down, well, what I want you to consider is the choice. Yeah. So here it is. Here is the moment, I think, you decide not to be part of that 70% who is stuck. If you get this today, it'll make an extraordinary change in your relationship. If you're not in one, if you really adopt this today, if you, if you are single and you take this in, I promise you, 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 of all, you, are, you are bringing a gift into your relationship that is beyond no other gift you could bring. You want to realize that when you are fighting and in conflict, that, this, that there is a spiritual warfare going on. As we say over and over, you're a spiritual being. Nothing that goes on in your life happens apart from God and that which is spiritual. So when you are in conflict, this is, there's a spiritual warfare. Now, God is a God of what? Vision? He's a God of peace. He's a God of unity, Right? And there's a God and there's also what? A devil, Satan. Now, Satan is also at work. And his objective is not peace. His, his objective is destruction, is to see you in damnation for eternity. But what he wants to do is he wants pride. He doesn't want peace. Peace is when you're drawing close to God. Satan wants pride. And he wants each one, husband and wife, male and female, to get as prideful as they possibly can. That's why if you really pay attention to conflict, it starts, about, it starts out about something, but really quickly escalates to someone. That's where it gets hurtful. It's not just about a toothpaste. Somehow, that little tube with gel in it, becomes so hurtful and we laugh about it. But all these things, because it's, it, somehow it transfers to about you or about me. And that's pride. We make it that way. It's a part of us. We're now beginning to think of ourselves and our pride is building. So now frustration builds up. I get offended. I get angry. How could they think that about me? How could they expect that from me? It's about me, me, me. Me and me. I am seeing it only through one lens. Me. I'm hurt. This was done to me. I expected that. I deserve that. It's all about me. 
And I'm going to battle mode. This is how I fight my battles. It's about me, 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 me. Maybe I shouldn't sing. <laughs> so Satan does this strategically. You know, we often say at a wedding, well, God brought together, let no person take apart. And Satan says, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, man, I'm going to, I don't want to just take this part. I want to shred this thing, huh? I want to isolate people. I want them alone. God created people for relationships to bring them together. I want them to be isolated. I want them to be separated. We must deal with conflict in the context of spirituality. We must apply God's truth. And, and we must counter pride with what? Humility. That's the antidote to pride. That's the godly, spiritually powerful antidote is humility. And so we have the choice in the midst of conflict and relationships to introduce humility. Oh, and it just goes. And if you don't think this is spiritual, when you attempt to do it, watch the resistance that comes upon your very being. Watch how you struggle so much to resist, to be humble in the face of pridefulness. And then you'll know that, wow, this is spiritual. It meaning there is a spiritual warfare going on, and I am in the midst of it. Don't wait for the other person to do this. It, it might happen. It might not happen. And I tell you this, the longer you delay, it gets harder and harder and harder and harder for you and for them. You need to know, I am in conflict. I sense this. How do you know? <laughs> You're in, come on, man. Nobody's smiling. And I'm going to just bring the humility in right now. Huh? And that's what I'm going to give to the other person. I'm going to give them humility. And I'm going to, I'm going to, God is going to work through that to speak into the best of them. Because if you're not doing that, what are you giving them? You're giving them pride, and you're giving them to Satan. You're giving your relationship to Satan. Introduce humility, give humility, give your relationship to God. Give the person that gift of a healthy spirituality. Hold on to the pride, you're literally giving your relationship to Satan. and saying, okay, now, have your way. Have your way, huh? Song of Solomon, chapter 5, verses 10 through 13. She's speaking. My beloved, speaking of her husband, is radiant and ruddy, outstanding among 10,000. His head is pure as gold. His hair is wavy and black as a raven. His eyes are like doves by the water streams, washed in milk mounted like jewels. I don't ever remember you reading anything like this to me. <laughs> and by the way, I have nice, I have nice eyes. I mean... You remember? I think it was like maybe. Do you remember? Remember how? I, do you remember? I think it was like maybe the second or third time. Uh, I don't know, like maybe a, a first date or a no, second date. But first date, you fell asleep on me. So, <laughs> so second date, and you looked at me and you said, "You know, has anybody told you you have really nice eyes?" And I'm like, "Yeah, no, nobody." You know, <laughs> remember how arrogant I was? <laughs> it didn't go over well, did it? Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so. His cheeks are like beds of spice, yielding perfume. His lips are like lilies dripping with myrrh. So I want you to get this. And, oh, this, this. So now, what is she, now she's left her bedroom. She's got her robe on. She doesn't care about her feet getting dirty. Her heart has changed its posture, and she's out looking for him. And, and what you're hearing is she's talking to herself. She's, she's all these things. My husband's radiant, ruddy. All these compliments, all she's speaking of, she, she's talking to herself when she's out there. She, she's not trashing him, right? I'm not saying she's still not bothered him. Whatever it was that brought him in a conflict hasn't been addressed, but she's remembering the good of him instead of dwelling on the bad. Actually, she's thinking of the good in him rather than to dwelling on the circumstance, Right? She's keeping it where it needs to be. This happened, that thing, but this is who he is, and I'm going to remember the good in that he is. This is how spouses want to be with each other. Instead, 
They think of the thing that happened and now they transfer that and they won't consider any of the good of their spouse and instead they focus on, on, on what could be bad, on the thing that's bad. And then in there they make assumptions. They do. Because this is spiritual. It's warfare. And if they're, not, and if they're in that place of pride, they're going to start to make assumptions and, 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 and create a narrative that's a bit distortive and that more now is going to bring an increased conflict and a lack of peace. And they're giving their relationship to Satan. The Shulamite woman here, she says, no, not today. I'm not giving my relationship to Satan today. No, no. It's easy to be angry. There's still an issue going on. You know, it's easy to dwell on what might have happened, what went wrong. It's easy for me to get anxious and think, oh, no, no, this is who he is. It's going to go on forever. No, 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 no. No. I want you to see what she's doing. It's so significant. The choice she's making is to consider the good things about her spouse, right? Huh? It's, she hasn't met him yet. She doesn't know the condition he's in. She doesn't know how he's going to react. She doesn't know what he's doing. But she's saying, hey, you know what? I can't control my spouse. I can't control him. I don't know. He could be out having too many glasses of wine right now. But I can't control what's going on in me. Huh? I can't control what God is doing in me. And I'm going to turn to God, and I'm going to approach this with humility. And I'm going to start to flood my mind with that which is good. It is so unusual that there's not good. And I say you can apply this relationship with your spouse, with your children, when there's conflict, pause, and consider the good. That doesn't mean dismiss the thing that's happened, but consider the good of the person. And don't make the thing that's happened become the person, yes? All right. And we don't know what's going on with Solomon. Do we? Uh, we do. She doesn't know. He's out there, but guess what he's doing? He's doing the same thing. Song of Songs, chapter 6, verses 4 through 6. He says, you are as beautiful as Tirzah, my darling, as lovely as Jerusalem, as majestic as troops with banners. Turn your eyes from me. They overwhelm me. Your hair is like a flock of goats descending from Gilead. That line, you see it over and over. It must have worked really well on her. Your hair is like a flock of goats descending from Gilead. Your teeth are like a flock of sheep coming up from the washing. Each has its twin. Not one of them is missing. That's a good sign, guys, when you meet a girl and she has all her teeth. And <laughs> Matt, you're looking right at me. I was going to go after it. I'm trying not to, you know, like. <laughs> that, that's Matt. You meet the girl. She's like, she's got all her teeth. <laughs> <coughs> Sorry, Matt. Listen, what's powerful here is that they're, they're thinking positive things about each other. Could you imagine what that would look like in relationships when there's conflict? And now, they're, as they re prepare to look for each other, re-enter into each other's presence, each one is thinking of something good about the other. We're not dealing with what happened yet. But they're just posturing themselves that way. They're bringing, they're emptying themselves of their pride and thinking of themselves and they think of the other. What would it look like in your relationship if this is how you governed yourself? If you're single, begin now to say, that's the husband I'm going to be. That's the wife I'm going to be. Make the choice. Go first. Bring humility. Now, at that day, you know, a couple of thousand, uh, 3,500 years ago, it might have looked like, you know, you know, running around with doing your hair late at night and pouring your heart out, right? But what does it look like today? You know, it might look like I will listen, right? Meaning, you know, uh, I'm not going to be listening to myself, think about what I'm going to say next, right? And how to correct them and how to substantiate my position. When people are in conflict, they don't listen to each other. They, they, they already hear something. But you want to be humble and really be thinking good of them and listening to them. I will try and understand. See, if you're trying to understand, that means you're not going to be spending your time judging them, right? See, when you judge them, you're saying, I know why they did this. You're removing any lessening of culpability. You're judging them. I know why they did this. It's not good. I'm going to hold this against them now. And that is going to enable you and justify you to now think negative things of them. 
We're notorious for this. Huh? Ask them questions before you judge them. You know why? Uh, not, you know, don't, you know, like, is there a reason why this happened? You just ask gentle, kind questions. Last, I will verbally validate. Validation isn't agreeing with what somebody's doing. It's, it's taking your focus off the issue and putting it on the person and who they are as a human being. And I don't <coughs> mean, you know, validating different thoughts and things they're saying. You can do that as well. I say, you know, when you're in a disagreement and somebody says something, look for that which you can agree to. But I'm talking about validating them, right? Like, is, say, is there in the context of what you're in conflict with is on, find a way to validate them as a person, as a human being, as your spouse. Mention something good of them. Huh? It's part of being humble, and it's giving your relationship to God. Validation is huge. Christy and I have, Christy was generally fairly, you know, decent at it or good at it, and, and, I, and I have become better and better. Is to, again, pause, see the person. You know, I, I know you love your Justin. Not, you know what your son did? It's her son, man. You know, I do. I say, when, Chris, when Justin would screw up, I'd say, do you know what your son did? That was my way of saying is, you didn't do what I told you to do, and now this is what he's done, and I told you he was going to do that if you didn't do my way. So he's your son now. Versus, I know you love your son. You are such a dedicated mother. You treasure him, and you want what's best for him no less than I do. And I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for your care and your love, truly. It's a much better way of starting out a conversation, right? So, and last, this last one, 1006. Look, and this, this is powerful. This is just, you, you, if you come here and you want to, you've come, you, you, you really have now, this is how I fight my battles, this one more than anything right here. Huh? I will resolve to have empathy. It's you. Do you know how powerful empathy is? Why do people travel across the world for their faith? go to foreign lands and allow themselves to be mistreated and in some cases killed. Empathy. Why would I walk through projects, you know, with a wonderful, beautiful wife home in bed at two in the morning and, 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 and be spit on or, or risk my life or, or, or go into empathy? Like, look, look at the suffering of this person. Look at the pain this person is in. Look what's going on. What does that mean? What does empathy mean? Why was I out there at two in the morning? Why does that person travel across the world? Why does one person extend themselves, suffer and sacrifice for the sake of another human being? Empathy. What does that mean? It means I'm going to allow. Let me show you the motivating, what happens here. I'm going to allow myself to take on their pain. I'm going to allow myself to truly sense, feel, process cognitively, what they're going through. I'm going to let it sit on me so much that it's going to move me that I'll put myself aside because myself doesn't actually exist anymore. I am feeling what's going on in them. And you know what? And I don't want to resolve it, not from principle, not because it's the right thing, because I am feeling their pain. You hear me? Uh, Walt Whitman said, I do not ask the wounded person how they feel. I become the wounded person. Powerful, man. The ultimate sign of humility is, you know, it's to, to have empathy, right? Meaning, rather than saying, I feel rejected, I've been hurt, you know? Saying, why is this person doing this? They look confused. They look angry. They look undone. I've been thinking better thoughts of them. I know they're better than this. I see the good in them. And, I've, and, and, and I can feel 
their anxiety. I can feel their confusion. I can feel the disruption in them. I can feel what Satan is doing in their life. And I'm going to introduce humility to the greatest extent. This is how I'm going to fight this battle. I will not give this relationship to Satan. I vowed before God to stand with this person and I will not give this relationship to Satan. Right here, right now, I will fight this battle by introducing humility to it in its greatest extent with empathy. I will feel their hurt. I will feel their pain. I will empty myself of pride. I will be nothing but humility right now. And when you do that, you'll crush Satan. You'll crush him. There's nothing he could do. There's virtually nothing he can do. He can't taunt you with past. He can't come from the fear angle. He can't come from sober. You, you disable him because you're surrounding yourself. You're, in, you're enveloped by the Holy Spirit. You're saturating yourself with, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. All right. I've gone long. I was going to go short today. Let's see where we are. Okay. Look, worship team, why don't you come up? Look, today, we can see God glorified in our relationships. Song of Solomon, chapter 6, verses 11 through 12, says, he speaking, I went down to the grove of nut trees to look at the new growth in the valley to see if the vines had budded or if the pomegranates were, were in bloom before I realized that my desire set me amongst the royal chariots of my people. You know, uh, he's saying, man, uh, I heard where my wife might be, and, and, and I'm going over there. Notice he's going over there with what kind of a perspective? This hope. He's hoping for something better. He's not looking for more conflict. He's not looking for the opportunity to turn around and prove himself. He's hoping for better, right? Meaning, and that's why you hear these words, new growth and bloom. I, I know there's been some damage. I know there's been some hurt. But I'm looking for her because we're going to make it right. It, it, it's going to be better. Huh? He's dwelling on hope. He's not dwelling in hate. He's not dwelling in hurt, emotional hurt. In Jesus Christ, there is hope today. Right? And what it's telling us is that they're, they're, they not only are working through this conflict, but they're getting to the other side of it. And the other side of it is they're going to experience new growth. Right? Like, wow, we looked at each other. We were attracted. We were gorgeous. We had the honeymoon, man. It was so great. You know, billions of people are going to read about this <coughs> for, for thousands of years. That's how good our honeymoon was. And then reality hits conflict. And now it's not like, wow, you're, it wasn't as good as I thought it was. It's going to be better. It's going to be better, right? They're saying to everybody, we are united. We're going to grow stronger now. Huh? It's one of the reasons why I show a lot of affection physical with my wife, all kidding aside, especially around my kids. I'm letting them know, you know what? You know what? Uh, Christian and I have a good marriage during this time, especially during the plant where for the first time we begin to argue in front of our kids. We would never do that early on. Our kids had no idea. And then we started to do that. It just it was becoming so tense and so overwhelming. We, we just, the hurt. Because look, <laughs> you know, there's a thin line between love and hate, man. And, and the only people that can truly, well, the people who could hurt you the most are the people you love the most. It's, it's kind of a paradigm, right? Paradox. If you paradox, I mean. And so, and by God's grace, we've worked with that. And now, you know, I'm constantly, I know the enemy takes those pictures of seeing mom and dad yell at each other. I, I can't fathom, you know, I, actually I can. I, I, I grew up in that, man, and, and, uh, and it was dogging me and haunting me. I'm like, I can't believe it. You know, they got to see that and hear that and, you know, yeah, yeah. And so now, man, I'm always, I'm always being affectionate to her. You know, now when I, I enjoy doing that, <laughs> it brings me pleasure, but I'm, I'm letting the kids know and people know, hey, we are united. We love being around each other. I love being near her. She's my best friend, right? I'm letting them know that, hey, we have forgiven each other. We are better than ever. We are growing, huh? And because of our faith, there is forgiveness, right? Listen to me. Forgive each other. 
I've given you some stuff here today. I've given you nothing but biblical truth here. Forgive. And the one thing, Satan's like, okay, you've got the truth, and it's probably resonated in you, and God the Holy Spirit, not Dave, is doing something in you. Okay, what's my last shot here to stop you from breaking through? And what? Not just so much having a wonderful relationship, but now knowing God like you never did. Huh? It's, I got to stop you from forgiving. Look what they did. Look what happened. Come on, go there. Go there. They haven't asked for forgiveness. They're still doing that. Be unforgiving. Hold, hold. And he's drawing you back to pride. He's drawing you back to in yourself. And you want to forgive. And watch this. Look how it all comes together. Why would you forgive? Because of what? Because of who? Jesus. Isn't it amazing? He forgave. He gave his life on the cross so that you could be forgiven. God brought you in here today to say, you know what? I forgive you. I do. I forgive you. You've lived your life in a way that is apart from me. Uh, and, but I forgive you of all. If anybody else, regardless of what anybody else in this world does or doesn't do, I forgive you. And, and to what extent? I've given my life, shed my blood on a cross to pay for the sins so take your regrets and file it under that. You can move forward. I forgive you, and I forgive you to redeem you and then to glorify you. You'll be redeemed here. I will, I will show my great works through your life before you breathe your last breath. And even what I experienced yesterday in that room was really extraordinary in some ways, what that person was saying. Ah, oh, incredible. The spirit is amazing. But then he's going to glorify you. You're going to live with him in eternity. If this is you, and today God has brought you in here, awakened you of your need for him, awakened you to the, to the beauty of, of being forgiven by God, meaning clean slate, new growth, phenomenal hope, potential and possibilities beyond your imagination. Today, yeah, today's my day. Today, this is how I'm going to fight my battles now. This is how I'm going to move forward in life. I am not alone. Jesus is with me, my Lord, my Savior. I'm giving him my life. I'm trusting in him. I'm thanking God for the forgiveness of my sins. I am new. Listen. Don't miss this moment. Get out of that 70%. Don't live out your relationship with God in a mediocre way. It wasn't meant to be lived out that way. You weren't meant to have a mediocre relationship with God, and you weren't meant to have a mediocre relationship with your spouse. You were meant to thrive in both relationships. Don't let anything hold you back. Forgive today. Ruth Bell Graham, wife of Billy Graham, said, A good marriage is the union of two forgivers. Forgive each other today. Deeply, enthusiastically, have empathy for one another today. Bring humility into your marriage and move out of that 70% into a thriving, committed, God-glorifying marriage that's going to bring you so much gladness and joy and intimacy. And man, you could have intimacy well into your 80s, okay? I mean like physical intimacy well into your 80s. God's created us. There's so much pleasure in this relationship. Let's take back what the enemy's done, right? Let's, let's give ourselves to God and let us leave today with no regrets but just carrying hope. Yes? To God be the glory.